I saw several of y'all when we were playing that song thinking, I don't know that one. Who, what, where that? That's from the great Scottish uh, theologian, John, or uh, Bono. Yeah. John Bono. John Bonham was Led Zeppelin's drummer. Bono was U2's lead singer. So let's get that straight. Um, oh, yeah. Um, I came from Wilmore, Kentucky, a little bitty town south of Lexington, Asbury College and Seminary. And it has a, one grocery store, Fitch's IGA. And it's been there like forever and ever and ever and ever. And um, so the guy who runs it now is the son of the original guy. His name's Leonard Fitch. And uh, he went home... Um, and told his daughter, after a day's work, he said, he said, some famous guy came in today and bought like an RC cola and a moon pie or something. I don't know what he bought. But he said, uh, Bano? And his daughter said, Bono came in? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from that group, you, whatever. He was in Wilmore and went to Fitch's IGA and got a snack and a cola. And uh, supposedly his uh, spiritual advisor, whatever, uh, is a professor at the seminary. I don't know who it is, but. Anyway, so he's been to Wilmore several times, so that's pretty cool. Um, we're talking about, we're going to have the Lord's Supper, we're going to have communion this morning, and uh, this is not really a sermon, it's just kind of a few thoughts to kind of focus our minds and hearts that way. I'm going to tell you what I told the teaching team Thursday, I grew up hating communion. I'm just going to tell you, the church I grew up in was in Wilmore, Kentucky, and so the uh, average education level in Wilmore was PhD. Everybody had a doctorate, and so on Communion Sunday, which I, I think it was the first Sunday of every quarter in the church I grew up in, on and my dad was my pastor, so I was the, I'm the PK there, and I've got four sisters and me, so I'm the pastor's only son who has to be squeaky clean good behavior I mean, I got in trouble. Most of the spankings I got when I was young was because I wiggled one too many times in church. Just saying. Well, that was on a normal preaching Sunday. On the Sunday when you had communion, um, Dad would line up. I don't even know. I've never asked him. My dad's passed on now, so I never asked him. But he would line up all of these PhDs across the front of the church, and they would read parts of the lit liturgy, from these little black books across here. And these were the scariest men. They were like in dark black suits with ties, and they spoke with such dignity and such, you know, and it was just so formal. And I'm sitting there thinking, if I wiggle one time, and I didn't understand anything that was going on, and then it would come time to come to the front, and buddy, you better get that right. You come down just so reverently, and you kneel when they're supposed to, and get up when you're supposed to, and you don't spill anything, and, you know, and so growing up, that was just, I'm not a formal guy. I'm in blue jeans and T-shirt most of the time. I'm just not a formal guy. And that just didn't, I didn't get that when I was young. So I got in school and I, well, you know, then graduated and became a pastor. And I thought, we're not going to do communion this way. So in the churches I pastored, I kind of did it way less formal and and more easygoing, but it also, my upbringing caused me to want to dig into, I don't even get what this is all about. I want to understand what this is about, and so I dug into the Gospels, and, and this week, just in prep for this, I dug into all four accounts 
Because there are a lot of things that are not in all four Gospels. But the Last Supper is in all four Gospels. And uh, Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke are very similar. And John has this great, big, long, several chapters devoted to that last meal they had together. And so I'd like to just share some thoughts with you this morning before we come here. And kind of get out of your mind that this is going to be a formal thing, which it's not formal here. I really like the way we do communion here. It's more. But, but also, try in your head. I'm going to tell you right at the outset. Try in your head to go to your kitchen table or your back deck in your mind. And get that vibe and that feel going on before you come here. Because what's interesting is that this, this thing that we call communion, the Lord's Supper the real formal word is the Eucharist. This, this thing that we call the Lord's Supper, was it was a meal. It was a meal that these guys ate. Granted, it was a, kind of a religious meal, but they did it every year. And, and this is not the first time they'd done it. So it was a meal. So, and, and I'm not shaming any, other, shaming any other religions in the world, okay? But some religions say that our significant thing that we do is to take this long, laborious pilgrimage to a place and other religions say you sit in a really awkward position and you hum some note or some word until you go to some kind of other place in your mind you know it, it, I'm trying to say this and not sound sarcastic those those things mean something to them okay but it's interesting that that Jesus picked a meal and he could have picked all kinds of other things to you know to 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 say, you, you, you all do this to remember me. So he picked a meal. There's just several things that you need to exist. You need air. You need sleep. And you need food and, and liquid. So he picked something that was absolutely essential to human survival. And something that you do all the time. Granted, the Passover meal was, was a once-a-year deal, but still, a meal, eating this meal, is you eat all the time. You have to eat to survive. So I think we need to keep that in mind, that this is something we do all the time. And so, I think it's in Luke's gospel. I should have written notes, but I'm just, I don't use notes anymore because they distract me. L Luke's gospel, I think, it's recorded that when he sat down with his guys, he said, I've been eagerly awaiting this meal. I've been looking forward to this meal. And he knew it was his last meal with him. He said, I've been eagerly looking forward to this. And in uh, all, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he's, he's actually made preparation. Remember how he said, you go to, the, to town and, and you'll meet this so-and-so and you just tell them the Lord has need of your room to eat the meal. So he'd already done some grunt work ahead of time to get it set up. And it was all set up. The upper room was set up. So Jesus was eager for this meal. He was looking forward to this meal, and he knew it was extremely significant in his work with his guys, his posse of 12 guys. And so you would think that he would sit down and say, guys, this is my last meal with you. Uh, well, I'm going to miss you. And it's, you know, but you're going to be able to go on without me. And you, you think it would be kind of a pep talk and kind of a, a sweet, warm, affectionate type thing. But he says, I've been looking forward to this meal, and one of y'all is going to betray me. Didn't see that one coming, you know? 
Boom, right out of the chutes. One of you all is going to betray me. He said, all of you are going to scatter. And Peter said, no, 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 no. And he said, well, dude, actually, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to up the scatterers. That's Mickey Mouse. You're going to up the stakes three times. You're going to deny me. And then in one of the Gospels, I forget which one it was, they start arguing over who's the greatest. Right there at the meal, they start arguing over who was the greatest. So he had to stop and, and give this you know, kindergarten lesson that he'd already given over and over. He had to stop and give this lesson to him. Come on, guys. This is not what the kingdom is about. you know. So he's pretty much put all of them on notice. This is his last meal with them, and he puts all of them right out of the chutes. He puts all of them on notice, and you think, Good grief. Ah. But then he does another 180. And instead of chastising them, you ought to be ashamed of yourselves. You know, I thought I'd picked well, but I guess I've made a mistake. No. He takes a basin and a towel, and he gets down and takes a servant's posture and scoots around the room and says, let me wash your feet. And then he takes... The bread at the meal. And he says, this bread is for you. It's my body that's broken for you. And then he takes the wine and he says, this is my blood. It's shed for you. And he gives it to them. Let's break that down, okay? Let's just think about that for a minute. I grew up thinking that the fruit incident in the garden blindsided God. That he didn't see that one coming. I've come to believe that he saw that one coming. He knew that was going to happen. And I've also come to believe that Jesus knew a, that he picked a, a posse full of betrayers, deniers, scatterers, doubters, squabblers. He, he knew what he was picking when he picked them. And so he gets to this very last supper and he's getting ready to turn the church over to them. He's getting ready to give them the gift of his Holy Spirit. And he looks at them and he says... I, I want you to know that I know who you are. You have not fooled me at all. I, I picked you, and it may have gone to your head, and you think you can get away with this stuff? You can't. I know who you are. But instead of it being off-putting to me, instead of it being uh, uh, making me mad, making me, you know, want to, I'm, I'm pulling you in closer. When you mess up, I just hug you tighter. I pull you in closer and, 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 and I don't love you in spite of your sin. I love you because of your sin. That's pretty crucial. Think about that. I don't love you in spite of your sin. I love you because of your sin and your weakness and your humanity. That's why I'm here. So I think it's important for us to Okay, so I'm going to go back to when I was a kid. I'm going to go back to when I was a little boy. The one feeling that I had every time we had communion, well, it was two feelings. One was I've, I've had the feeling of utter and absolute unworthiness. I probably am a bad little boy, and I should not go to that altar and take that bread and that juice because I'm a bad boy. Because everything they said up here made me feel worse and worse and worse. 
And then the second thing was just utter fear. Utter, I was scared to death of God. Scared to death that God was going to hurt me for being a, a bad boy. And the real events of these stories are just the opposite. I've had to deconstruct that thought and reconstruct the truth, which the truth is none of us are worthy, and God already knows that. That's just part of the, I don't want to say the word formula, but that's just part of the mix. That's just the way it is. None of us are worthy. And, and should we feel bad about that? I don't know. God doesn't seem to so much. It's, it's not as off-putting to God as I thought it was. Do you see what I'm saying? I think it's off-putting to him because we hurt ourselves. And we hurt each other. But our flaws, our brokenness, and our sinfulness, or, or rebellion, or whatever it is, whatever flavor your brokenness is, I don't think it's nearly as off-putting to God as we think it is. I think he says, okay, I get your brokenness, I get your pain, I get your sin, I get who you're, come here, come here. Not get away from me, come here. And so that encounter that Jesus had with his disciples, if, if, you'll, if you'll remember, what he said was, do this in remembrance of me. And I got to thinking about that. I'm going to close with this, and then we'll have communion. We might get out early today. Who knows? Um, I've never been known to be short-winded, but I may be. Um, so I got to thinking about it this week. Um, I always thought that he was saying, do this in remembrance of me in, in reference to the cross and in reference to the empty tomb. I don't know what you all think, but that's what I always have thought. And this week I thought, is that really what he meant? Because at Calvary, uh, we know John was there. I don't know whether the other disciples actually saw the death of Christ. But at Calvary, it was an event that they witnessed. You see what I'm saying? It's something that happened to Jesus that they watched. But they didn't partake of it. They didn't, there was no interaction. They just watched. It was horrifying. It was heart-wrenching. It was, you know, frightening. You know, think of all the emotions that, that went through them at that point. Is that what he... Don't forget those horrid feelings you felt when you watched me die. Is that what he's saying? Remember those. Or, or was he saying, remember the fact, this reality that we deal with is that I know who you are. I know exactly who you are. I know what you think, what you feel. I know what you do. I know your attitudes. I know your struggles. I know your brokenness. I know your weaknesses. I know, uh, as Paul says, the sin that so easily besets you. I know all that. And guess what? Come here. Come in closer. This, my remedy for that is not harsh correction. It's not rejection, it's affection and warmth and invitation. Come in closer. Every time you eat this meal, remember that. You know, I, I, I know you're going to be thinking about the cross and the tomb, but I want you to remember this meal and what took place. That I basically called you out and then I pulled you in. Don't forget that.
So when we come today and, and we partake of, of the cup and, and, the, uh, and the bread, this is his cup. This is the cup that he offered. This is, he said, this is my blood poured out for, for everybody. And we take the, the bread here. And he and said, this is my body that's been broken. When, when, he, when he did this, when you come here today and, and partake of this, it could just be a religious ritual to you. It was to me for years. Or it could be this, I taste the love. I swallow the love. I know this is getting kind of weird, Santa, but think about it. I taste the love. I swallow the love. If Jesus is here, if the love of Jesus is here, then his DNA literally impacts my DNA. Think about that. I internalize his love. And it, it, his love changes me. It doesn't just nourish. It does nourish me. But it literally transforms me from the inside out. Is it magic? I mean, you know, the Catholics say it literally becomes the body and blood of Christ. I rejected that for years. and Now I think I'm not so sure. You know, I'm not going to go that far. But I know the impact of internalizing Jesus. I taught about him, learned about him, preached about him as a concept for so long. And then one day it became real. It, did, it, it wasn't here anymore. It was here. It may be here. Yeah, by the looks of it, maybe, maybe that's where he lives. I don't know because I'm doing well right there. Um, so anyway, when, when we come and take this uh, this morning, maybe don't think of it at all as a religious ritual, but think of it as a meal where I'm internalizing Jesus. And, and he is not in any, at any level put off by me or my brokenness or my mistakes. Instead, he's embracing of me. And he says, let me handle those, okay? From the inside out, let me handle those. The things you're struggling with, let me handle them. Give them over to me and I'll, I'll handle them. So let's pray. Jesus, we look at this bread and we look at this juice. We know it came from a store. We know that. But so did that food on the first supper. Came from the market. And somehow as you gave it to your guys, it, it meant something different to them than, than it normally had because they realized how much you love them. John says you love them to the very end. They realized how much you love them, and it, it began to transform who they were. And so my prayer is that you would do the same for us this morning, that you would transform who we are as we partake of this. Um, talk to you later. I don't say amen, sorry. <laughs> that sounds like goodbye, and he's still here. So we'll talk to him later. I don't know who's serving this morning, if you'll come forward. And we'll get ready for this, and uh, I'm going to jump back up on the drums. But don't get in a hurry this morning, okay? Don't get in a hurry. Just come and enjoy eating. If you want to sit down, if you want to, I don't know, if you want to share some with somebody else, just look at it more as a meal than a religious ritual. And um, there's something else I was going to say, but I forget what it was. Okay, it must not have been important. So y'all come, and, and y'all come. <laughs>